John chapter 7. Let's go back there for just a few minutes since I just uh, took about eight minutes of your time to show you that uh, video. Let's, uh, I'm going to try to uh, get through some the points that I've got here uh, for tonight fairly quickly. Brother Eric, earlier we, talked, we started just a little bit late. He said, you can quit early to make up for that, can't you? So try to quit early since we started late. So uh, anyway, John chapter 7. If you remember this morning, uh, just to back up just a little bit, Jesus uh, has a discussion with his brothers, his biological brothers, uh, concerning their trip up to the festival of, or to the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is going on at Jerusalem. And uh, where we left off this morning, uh, we're going to go back and reread it. But Jesus, he says, I can't go with you. Because Jesus knows that if he goes up with his brothers, they'll make a big deal about him going up. It'll cause a big stir. It may cause people to try to usher in Jesus as an earthly king. Could cause his early arrest. Could cause his early uh, crucifixion, which would not be along God's timeline and God's timetable for him. So let's pick up in uh, John chapter 7, beginning in verse 10. Jesus has told his brothers, you all go on without me, and uh, I'm not going yet because it's not my time. John chapter 7, beginning in verse 10. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought to kill him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, he is good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out uh, as he taught in the, in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I'm from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, 
whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than, than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests and officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, You will seek me and not, fi- and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the opportunity to be here tonight. I pray that as we look into your word, you'll open our eyes and help us to grow closer to you. Teach us the things that you'd have us to see tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, after his conversation with his brothers, Jesus goes on up to the feast. The Feast of Tabernacles, the the Feast of Booths, whatever your translation uh, may call it, same thing. And he goes up almost as if undercover, the Bible says, almost as in as if it were in secret. He, like I said this morning, he waits for the roads to clear. He waits for the crowds to disperse along the way. And Jesus sneaks on into Jerusalem to attend the feast. He has a mission to complete. He has a mission to complete. Of course, his whole entire life is a mission. But God has work for Jesus to do at the feast. And he's got to go complete that mission. And that mission would include outing himself while he's there. So here's what he does in short. Then we're going to look at just a couple of high points. Let me give you some bullet points, and then we'll look at a few high points tonight. Here's what he does. He goes into the feast. About the middle of the week, he goes into the temple and he presents the truth. He makes people think. And then he causes them to make their own decisions about who he is. Kind of the same thing that happens with us, right? Jesus is presented to us by somebody in some way at some place. The truth is presented, and then we have to make a decision as to who we say Jesus is. So let's look at it in just a little bit more detail here from the Scriptures in verse 14. It says, Now at about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied Now, here's what that means. How does he know letters? They're not saying, how's he literate? He didn't go to school. No, what they're saying is, how does he know all the truths that he's speaking? How does he know the things the prophets taught about? How does he know all of these things that he's saying, all of these things that God has promised? How does he know? He hadn't been to seminary. I mean, essentially, their version, you know, the, 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 um, I can never say the word, rabbi school, I can't say the word, robotic school. That sounds like robotic school, right? No, the rabbi school. We'll just say that because I can't say the other word. So uh, we'll just say he hadn't been to to the school the rabbis go to. What, What is he saying? They're marveling. How does he know all of this? 
He hasn't studied any of this. He hasn't been trained. And listen at these bold statements he's making. What are some of the bold statements he makes? Well, verse 17. That's what I want to look at, a couple of these statements he makes. He says, if anyone wills to do his will, God's will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So Jesus is saying, look, it doesn't matter whether or not I've been to rabbi school. If you're seeking God's will for your life, and if you're trying to stay on God's plan for your life, then you'll be able to listen to the words I'm speaking and know whether or not they're true. Because as it was said, the rabbis spoke from authorities. They spoke from the authority of the Old Testament. They spoke from the authority of other rabbis who were before them. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm not speaking from authorities, so it doesn't matter whether or not I went to school to be a rabbi because I'm not quoting other rabbis. Jesus is saying, I'm speaking with authority because I am the authority. And if you are seeking after the will of the Father, then you'll be able to discern whether or not what I'm saying is true. And, you know, it goes for our life as well in a lot of ways. There's so many false doctrines being taught. There's so many things people are saying out there. You can turn on the TV if you have cable or whatever and some of these preachers that come on. Oh, there's one. He's high, I'm not going to name him, but he's highly entertaining. And when I was in college, a lot of times I would turn him on just because I thought he was hilarious, okay? I didn't believe most of what he said. But he was just a funny guy. I liked listening to him preach, even though I didn't believe anything he was saying, because he was, a, he, was just a, he was a great speaker, I guess, a great entertainer, I thought. But I'm listening to that saying, well, no, I don't believe that. That's not true. And you ought to be able to do that. We all ought to be able to do that. Here's what it is. As we're seeking God's will, what are we doing? We're drawing closer to him. As we're trying to stay on God's plan for our life, what are we doing? We're drawing closer to him. So the closer we draw to the Father means the more we're seeking out truths out of his word, the more we're talking to him in prayer, and you know what? The easier it is to discern what's right and what's wrong. As I once heard Dr. Charles Stanley say, and I always liked this, and I think I've probably mentioned it before, he said one time somebody came to him and said, you know, uh, Pastor Stanley, this this issue is not clearly addressed in the Bible. So how do I know that what you're saying is right? And he said, well, there's enough do's and don'ts in this book that if we'll just focus on them, all the gray areas in life will become much clearer. And so Jesus is telling them, they're saying, how can we believe what you're saying? You didn't even go to school to be a rabbi. You're not educated in these things. How do we know the things that you're saying are true? And Jesus is saying, if you're seeking after God's will, if you're seeking after his will, you'll be able to discern whether or not the things I'm saying is true. He goes on. And he says in verse uh, 19, he's going to call them out. He says, did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? Why do you seek to kill me? Look at their response. You have a demon. Who is seeking? 
looking to kill you. Let's translate that to South Arkansas, North Louisiana talk. South Arkansas, North Louisiana, Arklatex talk. You're crazy! That's what they're saying. They're looking at him. They're saying, who's trying to kill you? You're crazy. You're a lunatic. Why would you think anybody's trying to kill you? We know they were. I like what C.S. Lewis had to say. He says, a man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and call him as a demon and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. And so you remember earlier on, back in, back in uh, verse 12, there's some of them are saying, oh yeah, he's a good guy, he's a good man. Some of them are saying, no, he deceives people. Now down here they're saying, What? First of all, you didn't even go to school to be a rabbi. Now, second of all, you're just crazy because you think somebody's trying to kill you. Either you believe Jesus is who he says he is, or you believe he's not. There's no in-between. No, absolutely no in-between. So Jesus is calling them out about their hypocrisy as he continues here in verse 21. He says, I did one work, and you all marvel." Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses uh, should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So real quickly hitting on this, the reason they wanted to kill Jesus, and this is what he's telling them, Why do I think they're trying to kill me? Well, because first of all, I've heard they're trying to kill me. Because they're hypocrites. Because I did a good deed. I completely healed a man on the Sabbath, and they're saying I shouldn't have healed him on the Sabbath because you're not not supposed to work on the Sabbath. But yet they go out and they circumcise on the Sabbath. He says if if they're doing that, why do they want to kill me for completely healing a man? Jesus is calling out the Jewish leaders saying, what's the difference? Now, you can imagine all this time the Jewish leaders are over here getting madder and madder because, first of all, Jesus snuck in. Their intent, as we read back there uh, in the beginning verses tonight, in verse 11, they were still seeking to kill him. So the Jewish leaders, they know Jesus is coming because all the Jewish men had to come to the feast, and so they're looking for Jesus and they never find him. Well, then all of a sudden, guess what? Jesus appears teaching in the temple. So they're already mad about that. Now Jesus is calling them out for their hypocrisy. You can imagine how they're getting more and more angry. Let's look at how this, we're getting to how all this culminates. Let's look at one last 
bold statement Jesus makes, starting in verse 25, and we'll work down to it. Now, some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he who they seek to kill? They figured out who he was. But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? In other words, have they changed their mind? Have they figured it out? Did the rulers decide that after all, this guy is the Christ? Is that why they haven't killed him? No, they hadn't killed him because he snuck in. Verse 27. However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Let's stop right there for just a second clarify what they're saying here. A tradition had been developed amongst the Jewish circles that one day when the Messiah comes, no one will have known him until he appears to the people as the Messiah. And so they're saying, hey, this is that guy from Nazareth. We know this guy. And we all know that when the Messiah comes, he will appear to us as someone we don't know. But here's the problem with their line of thinking. Their thought about this is a misinterpretation of Old Testament scriptures. They're misinterpreting Old Testament scriptures to get to their conclusion. And so they're saying, "How this can't be the Christ anyway. Because we know this guy. He's known within our circles. So Jesus has a little righteous indignation, we'll say, as they're saying this, because verse 28 says he cries out. He raised his voice. He preaches louder than he has all day, and he says, you both know me, and you know where I'm from, and I have not come from myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know, but I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Here's what Jesus is saying. You know Jesus the man. You know me as the biological brother of James and Jude and my other brothers. You know me, Jesus, from Nazareth. But guess what? You really don't know me, Jesus, the Son of God. You may know me, but you don't know who I am. It's like the difference when when Paul said, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. Guess what? Paul's saying, I know Jesus personally. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Paul's not saying, I know about Jesus. Jesus is saying, you know about me, but you don't know me. You can't know me. This is where he really gets them. He says, you can't know me because you don't know him who sent me. That would have really gotten the Jews of this day because the the Jew really prides themselves on really knowing and knowing about the one and only God that we call Jehovah. He said, you don't know me because you really don't know my father. That's why we need to make sure we don't just have head knowledge of Jesus, but that we truly know him, that we truly have a growing and personal relationship 
with him. Verse 29, he says, but I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. In that statement, Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus didn't just claim to be the Son of God. Jesus didn't just claim to be one sent by God. In that statement, when he said, I am from him, Jesus, in front of this crowd, in front of the Jewish leaders who are over here stewing, he says, I am God. I am your Messiah. And when he did that, when Jesus made that claim, Look at verse 30. It says, therefore they sought to take him. That's it. The Jewish leaders, that's it. He's I mean, it's blasphemy. He's claiming to be God. It's time to take him, but that didn't happen. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. There's that little line again. It wasn't his time. It, according to God's timetable for Jesus' life, it wasn't his time. But something else happened that day. It's something else that happens when the name of Jesus is lifted up. When, when Jesus is presented, there's something that happens. Verse 31 says, and many of the people believed in him. Many of the people believed in him. Now, depending upon the translation that you have, this question gets confusing. I was confused when I first read it. Because it says many of the people believed in him. Then it says they went on to ask the question, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? So when I first read that, I thought, okay, wait a minute. It sounds like they're saying, I believe in you, but when the real Christ comes, won't he do even more signs and wonders? The New American Standard Bible reads it like this, which is more accurate. It's a question that elicits a negative response. When the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? In other words, the question or the statement that's being made by that question is this. This is the Christ. There's no way any greater signs and wonders could ever be committed. That's the statement that's being made by that question. They're placing their faith and their trust in Jesus as he stands physically there in front of them. But you know, you read on there in verses 32, and it made the, the Pharisees mad. It made the chief priests mad. These people can't be believing in Jesus. He's not really God. He's not really the Son of God. That's what they're wanting to tell everybody. They can't, they're making them, oh, they're just stewing in their anger. Jesus says to them, to the, the Jewish leaders, and this is where it really hits home. He says, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. He's talking to the unbelievers. He's talking to the Jewish leaders who were seeking to kill him. He says, where I'm going, you cannot come. A statement that stands in direct contrast to what he says to believers. 
Turn over to John chapter 14. My, one of my absolutely favorite passages of Scripture. What Jesus says to believers. He's talking to his disciples. In John chapter 14, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, Jesus says to the unbelieving Jewish leaders, you can't go where I'm going, because there's only one way to get there, and that's through me, and you can't go there. And he says to believers, he says, not only can you go there, but I'm going to go make a place for you. I'm going to go make a place for you. Why? Because in verse 6 of chapter 14, he says, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it would be some six months later after the events of John chapter 7 that he indeed would go to prepare the place that he would be arrested, that he would be tried, that he would be crucified, that he'd be laid in a grave, and that three days later he would rise from the dead to eventually ascend to heaven so that he can prepare a place for us. And now that we've been given the knowledge, we've had the knowledge. I look around the room, I'd say, everybody in the room's had the knowledge. So the question is, different from the question this morning. This que- the question this morning was what, essentially, what are you going to do to make sure your life stays on God's plan? The question tonight is, since we have the knowledge, what are we going to do with it? Since we have the knowledge given to us here in John chapter 7 and John chapter 14 that unbelievers cannot go to heaven. Unbelievers cannot go where Jesus is. John chapter 14 tells us believers are going to heaven. He's preparing a place. So we have the knowledge. What do we do with it? What do we do with it this week as we seek to be uh, put, to make sure God's plan is the path that we're on? What are we doing with this knowledge? I hope we're passing it on and making disciples along the way.